And what is good, ladies and gentlemen? Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Slapping Meat Wrestling Podcast. I am We Too Deep 413. Uh, go find me on uh, X, TikTok, uh, We Too Deep 413. That is W E T O O D E E P 413. Uh, thank you all for tuning in. We got a, we got a pretty decent sized episode for you. Um, the first thing we're gonna break into is some 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 uh, housekeeping. I've explained this in the Discord, but for those who listen who aren't in the Slapping Meat Wrestling Podcast Discord, um, first off, go click the link in the description of either the podcast on the network that you're listening to or in the YouTube video. Um, and join that. Uh, discord page but in the discord i announced that i was going to start to do um, if you're on the youtube page um, you know that i've done some tournaments um, and i'm going to do a different style of 2k tournament um, instead of having members of the discord sort of pick wrestlers and you know be represented i'm just going to randomly at random right pick eight superstars and we're going to do a tournament that way. Just on a wheel, put all the names of the people in the game. Eight superstars. Well, there's four categories. It's going to be men's, women's, tag team, and mixed tag team. So that's one per month. Um, we're, you know, And it'll be posted on Thursday. So this Thursday will be the first Thursday of this month. Perfect time to do it. Um, and so um, I just wanted to sort of. Make y'all aware of that on Thursdays the video. It will be YouTube exclusive um, on YouTube to uh, watch um, an eight-man tournament play out. It would be a total of seven matches, four first-round matches, uh, two second-round matches, and then the finals. Um, the eight superstars that are in the men's tournament this time. So the, the way this is sort of going to play out for those who are interested um, and watching the way this is going to play out is these eight superstars are going to battle for the uh, the king of the ring championship, right? The winner of this tournament becomes champion each month. Basically, that means, you know, because I'll have one men's tournament each month, right? One women's one tag team one, you know, that right there. Right. And so each. Uh, men's, you know, each month you'll have a tournament for that division, right? The winner of the previous tournament, whoever the champion is, is automatically guaranteed in the next tournament to defend their championship. So the eight people fighting for the first men's tournament will be, and this were randomly selected on a uh, wheel. I put every name in the game on the wheel, and this is what we got. We got Marseille, Finn Balor, Tyler Bate, Damian Priest, Carmelo Hayes, Mansois, Yoko Zuna, and Robert Roode. It's going to be an interesting tournament. Go on the Discord. If you're not in it, join it. Go under the channel that says 2K Tournament or 2K Tourney. Pick your winner. The bracket is posted in there. Pick your winner. Whoever is the closest, I'll, I'll shout them out um, on next week's podcast. And we'll, we'll, we'll sort of keep a tally here of, of who in the Discord can pick the these tournaments correctly. So we'll do men's this week, women's next week, and two weeks will be tag team and then mixed tag. Um, the mixed tag tournament, um, I'm just randomly going to put mixed tag teams together, right? Like sort of like how the WWE – did it with the mixed tag challenge. <clears throat> so um, there's that. Uh, just like I sort of mentioned last week, the 
slapping me brackets thing that I do best uh, wrestler in our community, what our community thinks the best wrestlers of the 64 that I chose. That's going to be solely on the discord. We're not going to discuss, discuss that um, as we continue to move on through that tournament there. Um, but with that, let's move into the actual interesting content. Um, the first thing I want to address, we got two, we got two AEW stories that we are going to start this podcast off with. All right. We got two AEW. We got a, a major announcement in, uh, the WWE world. We'll do our predictions for crown jewel. And then we're going to jump into some of these community questions that we got. Um, and so let's jump in. The first AEW thing is for whatever reason, whatever reason Tony Khan thought of that day, Ric Flair showed up on AEW last Wednesday. He was a special gift for Sting who, if you don't know, announced he's going to retire. This was like a retirement gift. Imagine your retirement gift from Tony Khan being Ric Flair, the 76-year-old blabbering buffoon that he is, right? And I just, it's just so interesting. It's so interesting that literally two, three weeks ago, Tony Khan was talking mad junk about Vince McMahon and these assumptions, these assumed allegations of, of sexual misconduct. And, and then he, two, three weeks later, he signs a dude who literally, and we're actually, this is actually a, a, a one of the uh, community questions we talked about, something deals with this as well, but literally Ric Flair was swinging his junk in front of women on airplanes in the nineties. Like it's just insane to me. It's insane to me. The lack of self-awareness and the lack of the idea of Tony Khan understanding how hypocritical he is and the fan base just buys into everything that he does. Um, Ric Flair did not need to show up. It, it made no sense. This makes no sense. Right, you're you're literally talking about a company now whose major stars, right? They have like, like their last couple pickups, former WWE guys, right? Edge, you got Christian in the front of the, you know, a major player in in the um the booking right now. Sting, Ric Flair, like the average age of AEW probably is close to forty you would have to assume the average age of that locker room or at least the people consistently being used is near 40, 50 years old. Right? This was supposed to be a company that was supposed to build the future and instead they're relying on old nostalgia acts. And very little has been built for the future of that company. Um. I don't really have much to say about Ric Flair. I just don't understand the business. Can someone explain it to me? If someone can explain to me why Ric Flair is a good thing for AEW, maybe I can look at it a good way. But you you literally, in the last month, WWE has brought in Brian Pillman, Jade Cargill, you know, future stars. They're making future stars out the wazoo in NXT. Meanwhile, they're... Main competition, if you want to call it that, is promoting 40-something-year-old Edge, Adam Copeland, 40-something-year-old Christian Cage, 50-60-year-old Sting, 76-year-old Ric Flair. You got Jeff Jarrett running around, Arn Anderson running around on TV, Billy Gunn's part of a tag team duo or trio. I mean, it's literally all elderly wrestling at this point. And so I just, I don't understand this business strategy. I just don't. I don't understand the business strategy at all with having Ric Flair show up. He's not needed. There was no reason for this. There was no reason for him to be there. So if someone can explain it to me, 
then maybe maybe it'll make sense. But right now, I'm not I'm not feeling it. Um, the next story for AEW is John Moxley has come out and um basically called for better standards in the wrestling industry in terms of athlete safety. And and the immediate like, like I had an immediate reaction. So this is a positive thing. Someone's finally standing out and saying, "Would people like me? People who you know, people who are more casual in fandom, have been saying for for the last month, two months, right? I sat here, notorious nerdy D, who runs the casual wrestling show. He's been sitting here, you know, taking shit on on TikTok for months." about his take on Kenny Omega and uh, Osprey's match. I've been taking shit for my take on that exact match. And we, we, we've been sitting here and saying, someone's got to step up and do something. So finally, John Moxley steps up. And so while that, that this is a positive, someone's speaking out about it, we might get you know better health uh, standards and, and the indies and, and all, <coughs> excuse me. Um, but Dude, dude, it's just, it's hard to take it serious when the dude calling for better health standards is the dude that jabs barbecue skewers in his forehead. When it's the dude who who goes and fights Nick Gage and takes a pizza cutter to the forehead. When it's a dude who does barbed wire matches, right? It's hard to take this call to safety Seriously, when the dude making the call to safety is the dude who's who, who who blades every match, it's hard to take it serious when it's Moxley, right? Dude who does dangerous shit all the time, but the second he gets dropped on his head twice in a match, right? And it's funny the the week he calls this out, Brian Danielson breaks his orbital bone. In a match against Okada. Guys, it's not the wrestlers. Brian Danielson's safe. It's the style of wrestling. Right? And people sit here and try to justify strong style like it's like it's going to be long-term successful. It doesn't work. There's a reason why Roman Reigns does is not considered a dirty wrestler. He does like seven moves. But all of those seven moves are performed well. They're easy to work for both sides. Like, you're never going to see Roman Reigns do a vertebraker. Right? Some of these moves that are allowed in wrestling today, surprise like, like surprise the hell out of me that people would be willing to put their bodies through this and do, do some of this stupid shit. I've been saying for years now, that all it's going to take is one person to bot to tope and break their neck and die at a live event for someone to to, to stand up. And we got to stop it before that happens. It's not about the wrestlers in the move sets. It's not about that in terms of, you know, doing a vertebraker is not going to add much to a match. Doing Canadian Destroyers in every match isn't adding much to the show. I care about, you know, Brian Danielson's children being able to have a dad who's able to play with them as they grow up. Like, Brian Danielson's been hurt more in his AEW run than he's been healthy. There's a reason Vince McMahon protected him. Vince McMahon cared about his future. This is a man who probably should not have been able to wrestle. He comes back. And he wants to do the same shit that made him almost paralyzed. Because he doesn't care about his health. He just wants to go out there and put on good matches. But Brian, you got kids, man. You got a wife. You got to think about your future. I just I just don't understand the style why people justify the, the strong style. Of, of right, and some people do strong style very well. Shinsuke, I don't think it hurts anybody, at least that I know of, doing strong style. Uh, 
Tyler Bate and uh, Dragunov do British strong style, and they don't hurt nobody. I just, some of these wrestlers who do these styles of wrestling, and they're just sloppy. It's sloppy. I just, it, I'm glad someone's standing up for safety regulations in the industry, but it's hard to take it serious when it's John Moxley. Let me know what y'all think. You think it's sort of ironic that it's Moxley who's calling this out? All right, so the big WWE story I want to talk about is last week, WWE announced that they will be doing the Bash in Berlin, the first Germany premiere live event. I don't know if it's ever or if it's in a, in a certain amount of time, but they're doing a premiere live event, premium live event in uh, Germany in Berlin, August 31st of 2024. Um, now, when this announcement came out, and I still feel this way, my response was, this is not good, man. It's good in that, hey, yeah, we're representing the international crowd. Um, a few weeks ago, I don't remember what episode it was on, I presented a way that I would do the pay-per-view schedule that I would kick down to six pay-per-views, premier live events a year. And I would do the big four in America, one Saudi show and one other foreign show at this point. At this point right now, we know where Royal Rumble is next year in St. Pete. We know WrestleMania next year is in Philly. SummerSlam next year is rumored to be in Cleveland. So we know three of the big four, right? And then we won't know Survivor Series until probably July of next year. But we know Elimination Chamber is going overseas. We know Berlin's going overseas. We know we're probably doing two Saudi shows. Right, so you got like five shows in in not in America next year. You got four to five to six shows that are going to be overseas next year. And while I understand why they're doing it, I don't think this is a smart business move. Who's your primary audience? It's the American audience. I'm gonna tell you something. If 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 this goes the way I think it's going to go how Endeavor runs business, we're going to be paying $80 a month for, for premium live events When's that, when that Peacock deal's over. It's the same thing they did with UFC. Um, I hope it doesn't go that way. That's just the way I feel it's going to happen. And what these overseas shows do, you know, if for the American audience who can't afford a Royal Rumble, because the big four will always be in America. Royal Rumble will still be here. WrestleMania will always be in America. I don't ever see them doing a WrestleMania internationally unless it's like London or like one of those giant ass arenas in Europe. Um, but I hardly see that happening. Um, so the big four will more than likely be, you know, stateside. But if you're going to do eight pay-per-views overseas, what you're telling the American audience is, hey, unless you can pay an arm and a leg to go to Royal Rumble or WrestleMania, you don't get to go to premier live events. I mean, these tickets for the big four are expensive. And if you're going to send every other premier live event overseas or damn near every other premier live event, right? I mean, nine pay-per-views that we know of, well, we don't know. I, I I can't guarantee Saudis. But, I mean, they signed a 10-year Saudi deal. So, my assumption is two Saudi shows. Uh, two Saudi shows. Uh, Germany, Australia. They're working on Paris, France for Backlash. That's five overseas shows. We know the big four will be probably here. So, we know nine shows and half of them are going to be overseas. I just don't think that that's beneficial to your your core audience, the American audience. Uh, people are going to, I believe people may feel that you don't care about them being able to go to live, big live premium events. The, 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 the reason some people wait to go to a backlash is because they can't afford WrestleMania. They can't afford SummerSlam. 
with how expensive these tickets are. I just, I get the reasoning. I get, you know, that stadiums, you know, are going to pay big, big money to bring an event to their country. I just, I just don't know if, if what's the benefit? Can someone tell me the benefit of them doing this? Right. Um, again, I don't necessarily think it's, you know, I originally was going to come on here and, and sort of rip into this idea that, you know, it's a bad thing. And, I, I understand the business move behind it. I really do. Um, I'm not going to rip into it too hard. I understand what it is. I'm glad they're going into Germany. Um, I hope to see Dragunov. Dragunov is from Germany. I hope to see Dragunov at that event. And hopefully he has a story by that point next year to put him. Uh, I'm telling you. I'm telling you. I want to book the main event of that match right now. Dragunov versus Gunther. For the IC title, book it right now. Sign, seal, deliver it. Dragonov, Gunther, IC champion, bash in Berlin. It has to happen. It has to happen. Right? Gunther can hold that title for a little bit longer. It's not going to hurt the IC title division. It's not. Especially if they're going to do these pushes with Ivar and Shinsuke and you know, you could probably push Miz and Gargano in this picture and Chad Gate. You could push five, six, seven more feuds against Gunther and then give give them Dragon off heading into August of next year. I think it works. I think it works. Hey, right, so let's do a quick uh crown jewels thoughts and predictions. So the first thing I want to say is these Saudi shows, we know what they are. All right, think real low expectations. These are filler shows. These are filler shows. Um, the, these Saudi shows are just the booking is the booking is clearly moving towards Survivor Series. They just have to make this stop in Saudi Arabia. Um, and so I don't expect a lot to happen. We have what looks to be one, two, three, four, five, six, seven matches on the card. I want to just make a note here and say that there's seven women. Performing, I think that's a record for Saudi shows. That's a big deal, right? That's a big deal. Uh, when when WWE has seven women going to Saudi Arabia and and uh, to to perform, not to count the, the referees. That's not counting the referees. Both of those women's matches will probably have women referees. Um, so you're probably gonna have seven or eight people. Samantha Irvin's probably gonna be over there. I mean, you're talking probably ten entertainers that are female. In a country who, at the start of this deal, we didn't get any women's matches. Right? We, we WWE is pushing culture change, and and it is slowly but surely, right? But you're also talking about you're talking about a show where women aren't really su- supposed to be wrestling, and there's seven women wrestling, and and AEW can't give their women's division any time. I mean, you're talking about a show where NXT last week, and I mentioned this on the NXT review, where NXT ran almost an all-woman show. And then this upcoming episode of NXT this week, I think over half that show is going to be all women. I mean, you're, when you when you talk about a women's division in WWE that's so hot, it can carry one and a half episodes of NXT. You're carrying seven women to Saudi Arabia, and AEW can't give their women more than a match, an episode. You can't you can't build anything for your women's division. I mean, we got to right. You look at this card, and it screams filler, right? It's a filler show, but we got some decent looking matches here. So we're going to start with these women matches first. We'll start with Bianca Belair versus EO Sky for the women's championship. <sighs> as much as I want Bianca to win this, and I really have a feeling Bianca could win this. My official prediction is going to be EO Sky. I think EO Sky retains and will still be champion. I think this is where we get the debut of Jade Cargill against Bianca Belair. 
in some way, shape, or form, Jade's going to be there to interrupt Bianca. I think that has to be the next storyline. That, that that has to be it. I don't know what else you would do. Unless, unless Jade staying in NXT, going after Lyra Valkyria. But would you rather that, or would you rather Bianca versus Jade? Ask yourself that question. Do you want Bianca versus Jade this early? Or is that like a mania level match that you would rather see? Um, so I don't know. I, I just see EO Sky retaining. Maybe Kyrie Sane shows up. That would be interesting. Um, but EO Sky to me retains. Then we have Rhea Ripley defending her title in a fatal five way against Zoe Stark, Nia Jack, Shayna Baszler, and Raquel Rodriguez. I'm going to be honest with you, I don't watch Raw, so I don't know what, what anything's going on with this right now. Um, Rio's retaining. You can't convince me any other way. Rio's going to retain. Um, Rio's going to retain. I think we build a story. It's real obvious to see what we're building here. Rio's going to retain. Naya and Raquel are going to be a story coming out of this, and then Shayna and Zoe Stark are going to be a a story I believe coming out of of this match, um, and it's very interesting how they have this match book because aren't four of these women heels? It, Raquel's the only face in this in this match, isn't she? It's kind of interesting how they how they have that have that booked. I think Rhea Ripley retains. We then have John Cena versus Solo Sokoa. Solo's winning. I don't know, though. The story John's been telling, and this would be interesting to have Solo lose because that could lead to... Okay, I'm picking John Cena. John Cena's winning this match. I I, I think what we, we can head into is Cena winning, Solo sort of being dragged down by Roman to where Solo... Uh, turns on Roman, and what I think we could get is a war game. Well, I think we might get a war games match, but it's not going to be Team Raw, Team SmackDown. I think it's just going to be Bloodline War Games, um, and it's going to be Jay, Jimmy, and Solo versus Roman, and he's going to bring in two special people, and it's going to be um, I know Lance and an OIA just got released. Um. I mean, you can go find some Fatus or NOIs and, and put them in this match. Roman's new recruits, basically. Um, I think that's what we end up getting. So the best way to set that up is have Cena win. Um, though at the same time, Cena's going out on his shoulders. She, Cena's not going to... to <sighs> Cena's not the type of dude who's going to win what could be his last match in WWE. I don't think it's going to be, but I just don't see Cena burying Solo. And it's not a bury. It's not going to be a bury to Solo. It's going to pro progress storyline if they do it smartly. I'm a pick John Cena, but I'm very hesitant. This, this match has been the hardest one for me to decide on. Cody Rhodes versus Damian Priest. Don't know. Don't care really about this match. Um, Cody Rhodes is winning because why else would Cody Rhodes not win? Cody Rhodes is winning this match. Um, Logan Paul versus Rey Mysterio is an interesting match. Ladies and gentlemen, I believe at the end of this match, Logan Paul will be standing as your new United States champion. This, this gives credibility to the, the belt. He can instantly make headlines. You leave... Crown Jewel with the headline of Logan Paul, U.S. champion. That's some that's some crazy shit right there. Um, McIntyre versus Rollins. Rollins is retaining. Um, and then L.A. Knight versus Roman Reigns. You guys actually think L.A. Knight stands a chance to win this match? I don't. I think this is Reigns all day, every day. Put my money right on Roman Reigns. There's no way Roman Reigns loses this match. Um, but let me know what you guys think. 
put your predictions as we head into Saturday. Uh, put your predictions in the Discord. See who see who's closest. Uh, put your predictions there, and we'll see who's closest. Right, let's go into some of these community questions. Not a lot for me to come up with, but we got some. We got some more questions today. I put them by person who asked them's name. Start with Kara first. She asked a, a crown jewel question, so that's why I wanted to sort of transition to this one first. With what's going on in the Middle East, uh, do you think it will have an effect on crown jewel? Yes, and no. I think the security will be fine. They ran with it was it UFC two ninety four ran's pretty smooth in Saudi. I think it's always going to be on the back of someone's mind. Um, but I don't think hope hopefully there's no attack um at the event or leading towards Saudi Arabia. You, you know, you, you kind of hope that nothing happens. Um but that's sort of the situation you take when you go into when you run an event, when you decide to run an event in a country so close to an area that's been hostile for literally 6,000 years, like you, you play this risk um, when you run into something that it's because I, I want people to understand this conflict isn't just a land dispute. This conflict is who is the rightful heir of, of covenantal promises within, within three separate religions. Right. This this is much deeper than you took my land. This is you took my land that was promised to me by my prophet. Right. And so when you go to a land in, that's so close to this proximity. Of it's not just a, a land war, it's a religious war. And so when you when you go over there and you run an event there, you always even without this Israeli Gaza conflict right now. You always, I mean, Saudi Arabia, I don't think it's level four, but I mean, countries in the Middle East near Saudi Arabia are level four do not travel warnings by the U.S. government. So, I mean, you, you always run a risk going to the Middle East to run a show. I don't think it's going to necessarily play a big effect on Crown Jewel, but I think it's going to be one of those things where, you know, I personally wouldn't have run the event there just the mere circumstance of what if something does happen would scare me but yeah yeah so i don't think it's really going to have that big of an effect but uh it you always run the potential risk when you run it in the middle east um she also asked link some wwe stars with with nfl teams that describe how that nfl season is going uh, and then she gave an, a, an example that I'm not going to steal. So I picked four wrestlers um, at random. These are randomized wrestlers. They're LA Knight, Dominic Mysterio, Ilya Dragunov, and Natalia. So let's start with LA Knight. And I'm going to pick the Miami Dolphins. Um, what do I mean by the Miami Dolphins? It's... They're real, real good. Miami Dolphins, really, really, really good against teams that they should beat. But when they play those top, top-tier talent, they suck. When they play the teams like the Eagles, they they get blown out. And L.A. Knight, to me, is, is that type of character, right? When he's facing the mid-card, he should win. But when he when when you compare when when he compares to Roman Reigns, he ain't gonna stand a chance. So the Miami Dolphins fit L.A. Knight. Um, Dominic Mysterio. I have uh the Kansas City Chiefs. Um, in that. <laughs> The Chiefs always find a way for the, the to to cheat their way to wins, and, and and when I say cheat, I don't mean like Spygate cheating. And I'm going to bring that up against my own team just for the hell of it. I don't believe Spygate was a real thing, but I'm not talking about like recording. When I say cheat, I mean like the referee 
Chiefs give the Chiefs so many games. And they always, the Chiefs always find a way to pull out a win with, with the help of, with the help of somebody. And that's dominant, right? But you can also sort of compare it to uh, dominant Mysterio is Travis Kelsey and all the hype is on his girlfriend uh, or mommy, Rhea Ripley, right? So there's a little bit of comparison there for the Chiefs. Ilya Dragunov, I picked the Baltimore Ravens. And that is because the Ravens to me, uh, and I was going to actually was going to mention this earlier. Uh, I'll mention it. I mentioned these announcements at the end of the show, but uh, uh, just remember this point when I bring it up. Uh, the Ravens, to me, um, are the best team in football. Now, if you want my reasoning, I'll go ahead and announce it right now. If you want my reasoning to why I said that, I'm going to start a sports show called Red, White, and Gridiron on this YouTube channel. It's going to be YouTube ex- uh, exclusive on the YouTube channel. Um, and it, it, it'll have its own place in the Discord. But Red, White, and Gridiron is going to be football talk mainly with some some other sports sort of sprinkled in. Um, and it's going to be me and a couple buddies that, that, that we're going to do. Again, that's, that, that should be out on Thursday. Thursday night, uh, we'll stream live, and then I'll post a link. You guys can watch afterwards, or you can watch live with us. I'll post a link as we go live. Um, but if you want my reasoning for why I think the Ravens are the best team in football, tune in on Thursday. I, I think we're going to go live this Tuesday, or excuse me, this Thursday. Um, and 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 we're I, I'm going to address the Ravens. I think they're the best team in football, but they're sneaky. Because they don't necessarily, they're not the best at necessarily everything. When you look at them in paper, you can sort of overlook them. But as a unit, when you combine all of their strengths, they're, they're strong. They're they're a strong team. They're the best team in football. And I think with with that with Dragunov, you got a dude who is probably the best wrestler in the world, but he's sneaky. Like uh, uh, six months ago, you wouldn't have said that. Um, and so definitely come out of surprise. The Ravens have surprised me this year. Dragunov sort of come up to being NXT champion, sort of caught me by surprise, right? And then we have Natalia. And I'm going to call them the Dallas Cowboys. And this is why. Natalia lives in the past just as Cowboy fans live off the past. Cowboy fans... Uh, live off the 90s, whereas Natalia lives off the, of a legacy built by her father and uncle from the 90s. Natalia is the Cowboys. When clutch situations come up, she she finds a way to, to, to fuck it up and lose. So Natalia, you know, is the Cowboys. <laughs> so um, there's that. Those are two, those two questions. From uh, Kara, those are great. Now we're going to move on to B Master. He asked the question. He asked a couple questions. Um, with Impact going back to TNA, what is something from the past you would like to bring back that you miss and wish they do again? Now I'm going to come out and, and and I'm not going. Uh, I'm not going to act like I'm the biggest TNA fan. I never really watched TNA that much as it was growing early 2000s, right? And there when when it was hot, but the one thing that I went back and watched that I really did enjoy was the King of the Mountain. And the, and I, in my research, they stopped it in 09, brought it back for a few years, they stopped it again in 2016. Bring back the King of the Mountain. If you don't know what the King of the Mountain match is, what a st- what a style of match. And TNA's got to do more of this. TNA's got to be so different from everyone else that it draws people to watch them. Um, and so bring back the King of the Mountain. And it doesn't necessarily have to be its own division where it has its own title, but it could be, you know, a match where if you win, you, you become number one contender for the title, right? Or something like that. It doesn't necessarily have to be for a championship, but you could be number one contender for whatever title you want to, right? And then, of course, you can have Queen of the Mountain, which they did in 2022 for one time only. 
Um, but that match style, that that uh, stipulation of King of the Mountain, is very very unique. And I, when I go back and watch TNA, I watch King of the Mountain matches. Those are fun. Those are really fun matches. Um, he then asked, with Father Time creeping up on everyone, he um, he eventually, uh, or eventually the superstars we grew up watching are going to be gone. If you could book one last match, where would it be and what kind of match would it be? Um, one male, one female, one tag team. I did four matches because I had I had I couldn't settle between one singular male match. So I have two male, one female, one tag team. So that tag team is the Usos versus New Day. It's probably and 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 so understand the Usos have and and New Day have been doing this. At, you know, New Day's been a gimmick for like almost twelve years now, which is crazy for me to to, to think that way. Like, and eh, not twelve, maybe ten. Closer to 10 years, right? New Day, as a gimmick, as long as they've expanded, it's crazy. And the Usos, now what I would do with this match is I would make it cinematic. And I would go through the evolution of both the teams. So I would have it start with the Usos in the in their sort of tribal warrior, you know, 20, 2012 gear. You know, the colorful tribal warrior. And have New Day come out as the heels that they were supposed to be, the sort of like uh, black preachers that they were supposed to be before they got booed out of the building and start and like make mention of that. And I would do a cinematic match that sort of goes through the evolution of of the team. Uh, and I do it that way because that, that way you can sort of you can include Big E in it and and, and have a controlled element where where. He doesn't have to take a bump that w- in real time. He, you you can do like a a, a a cinematic match where you can do multiple shots, um, and he doesn't have to really necessarily do it live. Um, and so I would do that. The rest of my three matches would just be normal matches. Um, Orton versus Cena is the first men's match, and this is no stipulation, no title. Both of them are walking out in the sunset. And and we, we just get a replay one final time of what I'm going to call the greatest rivalry of my childhood is Orton versus Cena. If you look through the years of of what this might even be the greatest rivalry in professional wrestling. Uh, someone tell me what a rivalry that's better than Orton versus Cena. You can never have enough of the of this of this feud. Um, and so I, I, you have to replay that. The women's match would be Charlotte Flair versus Tiffany Stratton with Charlotte losing at WrestleMania for the women's championship, right? For the women's championship, Charlotte Flair losing clean and putting over a big push of Tiffany Stratton. Push her to the moon. Charlotte, I believe, will beat her dad's record within the next two years. And we'll be there to put over Tiffany Stratton. And then she's walking away. I thoroughly believe that. I mean, we're almost 10 years in from the women's revolution. And Charlotte was wrestling, what, two, three years, three, four, five years before then. So you're talking a 15-year career. So Charlotte's Charlotte's almost done. Um, And so I think she beats her dad's record, gets 17 title runs. And then she's going to be there to, to... to hand the strap and literally strap a rocket to Tiffany Stratton. And, and, and that's what I would do. And then the final of the matches that I c- came up with is we have to run it. I don't know if we ever got one of these in a singles match with no stipulation, just a match again, singles match, triple threat, no stipulation. It ju- it's just right. And, and, and here's how you book it. The age-old question, who was the best member of the Shield? Roman Reigns, Seth Rollins, Dean Ambrose. Who's the best member of the Shield? And you could book promos and have just a banger match. All three of them leave wrestling after it 
whether it's to retire. I mean, look, Seth Rollins has been doing this for what, 20 years? Ambrose the same? Roman Reigns 10, 15 years? Like, these, these uh, we got, got uh, well, not only is like the Triple H sort of ruthless aggression era about to come to an end, we might start seeing other guys like Rollins and Kevin Owens start hanging up the boots or start taking a back seat. Um, as I feel we're, we might, you know, I like that WWE is growing the future of the company because the top stars right now, LA Knight's in his 40s. Roman's closing, closing in on 40. Seth Rollins is closing in on 40. AJ Styles is 40, right? So some A lot of these guys are in their late 30s, early 40s. You, you need some of these younger future stars. And AEW doesn't have it, but WWE does. And and, and so, I mean, we're, we're talking about seeing the Usos probably walk off here soon. New Day probably walk off here soon. Five, ten years. Roman, Seth walking out here soon. Orton Cena probably gone in the next five years. So not only is it ruthless aggression, but it's really like guys who started coming to prominence 10 years ago when I started watching again. And so, I mean, uh, but the question I want to throw back to the community, if you could book one match of, of someone from like your childhood, who can have one more match. What would it be? Let me hear your matches. And then B Masters last question, what championship victory was the most memorable, emotional and important? So I wouldn't say important, but I think the most memorable and emotional title match to uh, victory to me was Daniel Bryan WrestleMania 30. Um if you didn't cry it, I still cry at that match. Right? Just just like the th this was the first WrestleMania since I started getting back into wrestling. And it, just the story behind it, and I I can't think of a better memorable moment than Daniel Bryan walking out of and closing WrestleMania 30 with the championship above his head. I can't think of a better moment, right? So 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 I can't think of a better championship victory since then. Um, and, and it's been ten years, right? So now we're going to move to, to DJ Wavy D's questions. He asks us four questions. Uh, so the first one says, I'm a, I assume you're not a big fan of, of cancel culture. You would be correct. Your assumption is correct. Not a huge fan of it. I've been on the wrong side of cancel culture in that TikTok tried to cancel me in June. <laughs> uh, but it is what it is. Um, but with that said, he said, what are... Your thoughts on wrestlers being outed for their locker room behavior that they committed back in the day in all of these documentary specials. As much as we hate to admit it, times were different, and a lot of us said and did stuff we wouldn't do today. Um, who do these or how do these stories make you feel about some of these wrestlers? So the first thing is I agree with your your statement. Times were different back then. Uh, you know, we go back to Flair, you know, the flight from hell where he fucking helicopters his dick all over the place right now the question i have to ask you to all the people who want to try to cancel these people is you, you do realize the industry that they're working in right like these have never been like good people right the wrestling industry has always been the deviants <laughs> it's always been the people who couldn't get a job anywhere else this was it it was this sort of military or, you know, this was it. These weren't going to be like that. Like, what did you expect? Like, these are people who are drugged out, drunk, drug addicts who work on handshake deals and beat the living shit out of each other. You expect them to not be fucking deviants. I just. And then when you go back like 20, 30 years, like I would I would hate for someone to to pull up shit that I did in middle school and high school. I didn't do anything stupid, stupid, but I'm sure I said something dumb every now and then. And like people are literally pulling tweets out of, and you see it in other sports as well, like someone becomes a first-round pick in the NFL and someone throws out a, a tweet from 17 years ago 
where, you know, they were joking around on social media and said something stupid. And then they, they, they get, they get canceled. And and, and, we got time for that. Right. Like I know who Terry Balea is. That doesn't make me feel different about Hulk Hogan. We got to separate the character from the guy playing the character. Right. Terry Balea, go fuck yourself. Hulk Hogan, one of the greatest to ever do it. Right. You can have that feeling in wrestling. Right. Um, so I just, yeah, I'm, I just, I don't understand why we, why we have to play these, these games. I'm not going to be the guy that's like, oh, well, what, what, have you never been in the locker room? But, but I'm going to be that guy. I don't want to, but I'm going to be. Have you never been in a men's locker room? Bro, I can tell you stories about, and I, this wasn't even in an athletic event. This was just going to the Y. Uh, I volunteered once uh, to go paint the YMCA bathrooms. It, it wasn't my YMCA. It was in another state. Uh, I went up to Boston. Uh, it was actually Gloucester, uh, Massachusetts, and uh, w- with some people, and we volunteered to to paint the YMCA gym and the locker rooms. And we're painting during the business hours, right? So I'm sitting there painting inside a locker repaint inside a locker and I pull my head out of the locker and this old ass motherfucker man like 70 years old walking around with his dick flinging around everywhere no towel on just walking around like no one's in the fucking locker room with him like if you've never been in a men's locker room shit happens there like and it doesn't make it appropriate it doesn't mean that it's right but it happened and I can't imagine what a locker room would have been like with drugs and, and in an industry where you feel like paranoid that someone's going to take your place, like, I can't even imagine. So, yeah, uh, I'm sure people 30 years ago did stupid shit. But why are we outing them? A lot of this just feels like hit pieces to me. It's what it feels like a lot of times. Moving forward, uh, his topic two, what are your thoughts on NWA looking back, looking to bring back territories? Uh, do you think it's, do you think it matters in the big picture while WWE is still the giant? Um, I think it matters in that I have this, I have this sort of hypothesis. If NWA, uh, W, excuse me, NWA, AEW and TNA sort of claimed the secondary nature of the business and let WWE be primary. And we ran a hierarchy system where like, if I'm a brand new wrestler, I enter in at the indie level with the hope of getting a contract with NWA or AEW, right? And so that I can use that contract as a stepping stone to get to WWE. If we ran a hierarchy system where the goal ultimately is still WWE, but I but I'm gonna use a I'm gonna use AEW to develop skills to get to WWE. The the industry would work so much better that way. So, yeah, I, I'm fine. We sort of, the independence sort of our territory system in a way. Um, I'd be fine with NWA sort of doing what NWA did in the 80s where a bunch of, you know, a group, a network of different promotions came together. I'm fine with that. I don't think it necessarily is going to damage WWE all that much. But I think if, if NWA and... AEW and them just remain content being glorified indie companies. They would be fine. Uh, AEW is the only one really fighting that though. They would just be content being a glorified, overproduced indie show. <laughs> they would and in their niche and stop trying to compete. People would leave them alone, right? Honestly, um, his third topic. Um, apparently TKO is losing or not making up their money yet. However, WWE still doing amazing business and selling everything out and breaking records. Did WWE need TKO? And do you think it was a bad idea for them to join so quickly? Um, I don't know. I think it's too soon. The merger just happened within a month ago, right? It it hasn't necessarily been official for all that long. So I don't necessarily know uh, if it's a bad deal yet. Um, 
I don't think WWE needed Endeavor and to form the TKO group. Um, but, but I think we also need to recognize we're in a slow period, like in wrestling, and WWE still selling out. Wait till Mania season plays along and it, and it becomes fast. I think I think TKO just needs to slow their roll for a minute. I think they'll make their return on investment. But this is my fear with Endeavor is that they're all they care about is return on investment because that's that's all they need to care about, right? And they're not going to care about storylines. They're not going to care about the big stars. They're not going to care about people's favorites. They're going to care about that ROI, that return on investment. And if their investors aren't making their money back, they're going to start selling shit. They're either going to sell stock and WWE is going to plummet or they're going to start getting rid of people to save money so that they can make their returns. That's the that's just the nature of business, right? It's all about return on investment. I think they'll I think they'll be fine personally. I don't think it was a bad deal. I don't necessarily think it was a needed deal. Um, but I think if, if, if Endeavor just, if they can just wait two, three more months, wait through the holiday season as rumble season picks up. And as we head towards the, the, the new year and into towards mania, I think, I think the returns will start getting bigger. Um, so I, 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 I'm not a financial expert, but I know how I know the cycle of how WWE works. Mania season is going to pick up and they'll be fine. I, I thoroughly mean that. And then his last topic, he's really stretching me to think here on this one. Name five good things about Oscar that men everywhere should love. Uh, I, I can't help you here, Wavy D. You're the Oscar fan, not me. And it's not that I don't necessarily care for her. I'm just not the biggest fan of her. Um, I mean, if you're attracted to that kind of thing, she's kind of attractive. Uh, I mean, <laughs> I don't really got five things for you, dude. I really don't. Uh, I don't know. She's a little bit crazy. If you like crazy, you know, you might like her. She she likes to spit a lot. You know, she got that mist. If, if you're into that type of stuff, if you're into, you know, role play, I'm sure she, I'm sure she might be good good with that, my dude. I ain't got much for you. Uh, I'm just not I'm just not the the biggest fan of of Oscar to be honest. I'm the wrong person to be asking this question for. I know you got a love for her uh, wavy D. So so why don't you step into the Discord and tell five good things about Oscar? I will say this: her NXT run was fantastic. I've just the way Vince just ruined that though. Just I I they haven't been able to build that sort of run back up to make me take her seriously. Um, I mean, she, 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 uh, she has some interesting, uh, outfit choices. If you're into that, she, she, she has a, a, a unique sense of fashion. You know, I gave you a couple things. Maybe that's enough for you. Uh, but <laughs> yeah, you, you stretching me out on that one. I ain't got much for you there on that one. Uh, but I appreciate you guys listening. Uh, hope you enjoyed it. Uh, let me know your predictions on, crown jewel i probably won't watch crown jewel live i'll probably wait till after i get off work on that saturday i'll watch it and then i'm going to post a review show of crown jewel saturday night uh look out tuesday night after nxt for an nxt halloween havoc night two review and uh other than that i look forward to seeing you guys then uh again uh join the discord and the link in the description also, go get your Slap and Meat Wrestling podcast merchandise at slappingmeatwrestling.com. Again, that's slappingmeatwrestling.com. My name is We Too Deep. Thank you for watching or listening. If you're if you're on podcast networks, leave us a review, hit follow or subscribe, depending on the network you're on. If you're on YouTube, like, share, subscribe, share this to all your wrestling fans. Try to bump us up and get us some views here on the podcast. Um, and, uh, we thank you. I thank you, uh, so much for watching and listening. And until the next episode, this is we too deep signing out from the slap and meat wrestling podcast. Y'all have a great rest of your night. Brother, I'm going run wild, Hulk Hogan. If I like it's a moment, I'll make sure it's an explosion. 
No home. 